place because it has stories and there need to be people to tell those stories both to identify that place and its significance to outsiders and to give those who live there a sense of where they are we're so thrilled today to be talking with a person who's giving a new voice to a place that many think they're familiar with. Yeah, we just, we're so excited. I actually think this is maybe one of our first guests that we're having on kind of sort of as a second a second time around. Yeah. Uh, you might remember him from the Decatur Book Festival. Uh, we're here with Steve McCondishy. Thank you so much for being here. He's a real estate novelist, a book publisher, and co-founder of Southern Fried Karma. <laughs> Thanks so, for having me, guys. Oh, we're so glad you could be here. I know it was very, usually we plan these out kind of a couple weeks in advance, but we kind of try to grab you really quickly. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Perfect yeah. timing. It worked out really well. But thank you. Yeah, I think I think you are the set first second timer. Great. I'm glad to guess. be the first something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first second. So, explain to me the Southern Fried Karma. It's like three words. After the first two, you kind of think you know where you're going. <laughs> and then karma goes in. The, so where did that concept come to you? And what's that all about? Well, there's so there's two ways. Uh, it, it's got two different meanings. There's the... Um, the Southern Fried Karma, and and in uh, a novel I wrote uh, called Line for a Living, one of my favorite characters in the in the in the novel is a guy called Daniel Hay. When they call him Haymaker, and Haymaker's that sloppy friend that we may have all had. <laughs> uh, that and he at one point in the in the and later in the novel starts to uh, impart some of his kind of country wisdom, and and he understands that. Uh, the summation of his life is all the things that he's done, the good choices he's made, and most importantly, the bad chases he's made. It, choices mm -hmm. he's made. It, everything he's done has has kind of led him to where he is. Yeah. Uh, and he, but he views he views that as like uh, his that's his karma. But he puts a spin on that karma, and that it's like eating chicken chicken gizzards. <laughs> you, you, you know, they're the he loves them. Yeah. <laughs> and and he knows they're bad for him, but he he rolls them in flour and spices them up and fries them up and then he mm -hmm. they're not chicken gizzards anymore. <laughs> so that's the idea of of southern fried yeah. karma is that we it, it, we know who we are and we are all our choices <laughs> but we do what we can to to make it edible. Yeah. <laughs> and digestible for ourselves. That's, that's awesome. So if, from that so from a philosophical standpoint. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's where it is, but when I people I it's, you know at book fairs or whatever ask me what Southern Fried Karma is, I say we're a multimedia company. Yeah. Based out of Atlanta, uh, we have an online literary magazine called The New Southern Fugitives. Mm -hmm. Comes out every week. We're really proud of that. Wow. And then we have a uh, a small a, a press, independent press called SFK Press. We've got mm -hmm. eight titles coming out this year. Wow. Uh, we're dropping another one next uh, next month called Aftermath from a local Atlanta writer, George Weinstein. Mm -hmm. uh, we got we're doing a novel contest to get ten titles for 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we're also this summer we're gonna make a documentary film um, about uh, Chris Benoit, who's a, a wrestler. Mm. Who uh, lived in? He's from. He's originally from Canada, uh, but uh, about seven, eight years ago, unfortunately, uh, on the steroid rage, he murdered him, his wife, his son, and killed himself mm. uh, in Fayetteville, near south of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're doing a documentary film about that, and then we're also making a a short movie 
uh, oh, wow. short film called it's a call to prayer. We're working on the script for that right now. So, other yeah. than that, we don't have much going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're That's honored awesome. that you we're honored that yeah. with all that going on, you would take the time to uh, drive up here from your office in the now infamous uh, little town of Noonan, Georgia, yeah. to spend yeah. time with us. Um, yeah. How have things been feeling in in Noonan? Uh, I think uh, Sunday, Saturday afternoon, everybody just went. Yeah. There was a, there was a, the community just uh, had a nice day just to kind of breathe a little bit. Yeah. And then Sunday afterwards, it rained and it was uh, washed it away. Yeah. And so that the the aftermath, you know, it was not any, it was the time before that which was to me the most um it was just a fascinating study of how a community made choices about how to respond and and then then not within that community individuals how yeah you you responded yeah yeah so for those who don't know in noonan georgia which is a small town about an hour, 40 minutes to an hour uh, in good, this traffic an hour yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's a good um, 60 miles from me yeah. and, okay and they were having a white supremacist rally there so there's there are images on the media of these giant swastikas burning and mm-hmm. um it was actually so to those from a distance who are watching this it may confirm stereotypes that they had but it wasn't actually southerners doing this right it was white supremacist groups from michigan or from out of state who picked the town yes to hold a rally and uh yeah so the the head of the the nsm whatever it's called the national socialist movement yeah um is from michigan dearborn michigan i believe okay and if he's not dearborn i apologize to dearborn <laughs> but he's from michigan um, <laughs> but they were holding a rally and they have one annually in temple georgia which mm-hmm. is the next county over oh, okay and there's oh. an and the southern probably law center has identified that it, that town is having a sorry no offense to temple but there's a hate group based out of temple sure so yeah. they have an annual they were having their rally there we're the next biggest town over okay mm. uh and that's how they they yeah. applied for a permit to use the park. Yeah. Um, and the city didn't have any basis not to grant it. So yeah. bingo, bingo. Yeah. Here come the Nazis are coming to town. Yeah. yeah. And you said so you said you started to describe the feeling leading up to the. Yeah. So the, it was. Uh, I. Actually, I heard about it. I walked into the office. It was about three weeks ago mm-hmm. and our one of the people that works for for our southern uh, southern fried karma said wow what are we going to do about this neo-nazi <laughs> rally yeah and, and i'm like huh yeah wow. I, nobody had heard, heard of it and my daughter said yeah it, 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 so it broke on for us it broke on facebook first yeah wow. social media kind of and we're like i didn't want to believe it at first yeah, yeah. Uh, so then th- that's the first, underst- well, what, why, what and why it was, mm-hmm. it's kind of the acceptance of where, where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there it was so that, you know, there's an immediate pushback. This is wrong. It can't happen. Yeah. There was just some anger yeah. in the community and, and, um, a little bit of outrage. Yeah. Mm. Um, and 
then you realize that sort of resistance doesn't matter. It's they're going to have it's nothing the city can do. It's for yeah. their First Amendment right. Yeah. yeah, they're coming. Yeah, and it took a while for this for the community and even my family to kind of under, understand that because we mm-hmm. even with all my own family, yeah, we had different reactions. My son was he was angry. Yeah, my daughters were anxious. Yeah, and. My wife had the most beautiful reaction. Mm. She happened to have been walking past the the park, and Channel Two News was there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the reporters asked her what she thought about the rally coming to town, and my wife says, "Good thing, bad thing, who knows?" And it kind of is, it's that's yeah that that's an actually it comes from from an old Hindi fable about acceptance of the situation and the relative amount of just kind of absorbing what's going on without having an immediate reaction. Yeah. And so we kind of all reached that, okay, this can be a, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. And then it was Mm. neat to see how the community changed. Um, Mm. And that came from, I think, from, from two, from two areas. Number one, the, the, the official, the official response from the whether it was a city, the city manager Cletus, or whether it's from Chief Buster, the local <laughs> police chief, who you know they're not. This isn't their bailiwick. You yeah, know we yeah. have we have the taste of Noonan. Is yeah. what we have. <laughs> yeah. You know we film movies yeah. there. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. that's what their big deals. And, and so now this is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the city, so the city responded in a proactive way. Uh, and they did what you do, is you plan for their plan. They plan for the worst, mm-hmm. um, and the community, whether it was the local churches or the the other communities, said, the "City's gonna, they're gonna plan for the worst, and we're gonna manifest the best." Wow. Mm-hmm. And 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 so they decided the night before that we had a rally in the city, uh, that we had there was a piece in the park. Uh, planned for Earth Day the day after, mm-hmm. um, so that the initial it looked it looked good, and but it was interesting. The closer we got, yeah, how the flip the switch got flipped a little bit, mm-hmm. and the anxiety went up. Yeah, sure, yeah. as uh, it would. <laughs> yeah, because what because and I have never you, know, you hear about you hear about certain things, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Oh, they're going to be down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it, as the closer we got, and the more people I talked to, you could sense the anxiety yeah. going up, sure. and it became, you know, make sure your homeowners' insurance is paid up. Okay. <laughs> All right, and make sure you're not at home, and and there was actually, um, you know, and I hesitate to use the word, but there's you, you hear about fake. News and social media post, and there was one post that, that that really created I saw created the most anxiety among people. So when it became apparent that the counter protesters were going to have an equally or a larger force there, yeah, and it became identified as the Antifa, this this mm-hmm. the street gang, and and I just call them that's how they identified. They're they're not a hate group, but their mm-hmm. their their means of resistance to me is not one. It's a violent violent. Opposition to fascism, which I get, but it's not one I choose to believe in. Right. Um, but it became apparent they were common. Yeah. On social media, there was posts from outside our community, from 
from people that nobody in my family and nobody in my friends knew about, hey, you've got to, you've got to watch out for this Antifa because they're anti-church, they're anti-police, they're anti-everything, and they're going to be the ones mm. that start the problem. And my wife, who had had this very kind of philosophical viewpoint, she changed and two or three days before she became very nervous about it. Yeah. And, and I said, sweetie, so what if, you know, if they're going to, we have an American flag on the front of our building. She said, they're going to, you need to take your flag down. I said, no way I'm taking that flag down. She's going to grab your flag and they're going to use that as a weapon. I said, no, I don't think they will. Yeah. I said, I think that post that you read from nobody, I think it's fake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was from nobody they knew, nobody inside their group. And I said, so what did they suggest you do? Should I sit on the front porch with a shotgun? She said, yes, that's what they said. Those are the only businesses that didn't get hurt, the people that were on the front porches with a shotgun. I said, don't you see what they're trying to create? Mm -hmm. This is clearly what they're trying to, they're trying to divide the country. Yeah. And I went to bed that night, you know, feeling the anxiety yeah. of what to, of what was happening this would have been thursday mm -hmm. and i woke up that morning i said this is what we're going to do we're going to put positive messages on the sidewalk in front of our building mm -hmm. we're leaving the flag up yeah and we're going to put out bottles of water and we're going to put out kind bars and snacks yeah. and say are you hungry have a snack. Yeah. Share the love. Are yeah. you thirsty? Have a bottle of water. Share the love. Mm -hmm. And we did that. Yeah. And so, and the whole community responded that that way. There was a rally in the park that that night beforehand, where there was music. Kids were writing positive messages mm -hmm. everywhere. The churches had signs up. So from that standpoint, it was just yeah, it was encouraging. Yeah. yeah. It really well, was. One of the reasons we were excited to have you on is we, I feel like you hear something like you're far out, you know, away from noon and even yeah. here in Atlanta, I feel kind of distant, but you know, people all over the U S yeah. and a lot of people would probably say, Oh, well there, there goes Georgia again, or there goes the South. <laughs> and one of the things that I love about what you're doing with Southern Fried Karma is your, your idea is to, the, the whole purpose of it is to show the other side <coughs> of the story, other sides of the South. And one thing that I'm so fascinated with is how, how, when you first started it, I know you weren't, you know, there was a point where you made a break and jumped in and with, uh, with publishing, with, uh, with all that sort of the, the multimedia, how did that happen? What inspired you to do that? I'm always curious about what initiated that sort of flip and change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had, uh, for 25 years, I was in the heavy equipment business. Well, mm. I peddled bulldozers all over the <laughs> yeah. world. I was in two, two dozen countries. i Sold a bulldozer in every county in Georgia and every state in the union. Yeah. Wow. And and I had to for for family reasons I had to I, I left that that business mm. and I parted, mm. and uh, I went to take care of my father, mm. and I decided um, that I was going to go back to school and get my my I would always wanted to be a writer ever mm. since I was in first grade I loved wow. to tell stories, mm. and I thought I was going to go back and get my MFA, and so I went to to Queens University in Charlotte and and started pursuing my MFA and became involved in the uh, in in the literary world and publishing world and and learning not only about creative writing, 
about the craft of it, but also the, the business side of it. And uh, the more time I spent in that, I saw it was a, publishing them. Anybody in publishing will tell you it's 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 a convoluted, archaic <laughs> business model that is it, because the technology is rapidly changing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got a lot. It's almost chaotic. Yeah. yeah, and so that was kind of interesting to me, and 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 the way that the way that that stories make their way to a broader audience mm-hmm. has changed. Yeah, it doesn't matter so much. The traditional, you write your book, you get an agent, your agent finds you a publisher, your book's out, and you're in New York Times. Mm-hmm. A, a, that never really happened, but B, that model is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saw an opportunity from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. But So this would have been August of 2015. Okay. Um, Dylan Roof goes into the church in Charleston, South Carolina, murders nine people. Uh, and his face is plastered everywhere, and it, it, the South does it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, intent um, on not having that, not allowing that to happen, mm-hmm. on not on him not being the the face of the South. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the South. If you just look around this neighborhood that you guys are in, where the, this this beautiful bookstore is. Yeah. It's a diverse neighborhood. Yeah. That's yeah. the South to yeah. me. Yeah. And so, the. the I think a business succeeds when you have a model that, that uh, there's a need and mm-hmm. I saw the need, but now we had a mission. We had yeah. a calling mm-hmm. to go with it. Yeah. And so there we wow. are. So that, so wow. that's where we got, that's how it started. Yeah. 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 That's really resonant to me. I think, I think just like hearing you talk about Noonan's yeah. uh, response, um, I think like there's sort of a, there's sort of like a gulf, a binary gulf in the yeah. way like people are portrayed in our world, um, and in the, and media is too general of a term, but I'll say it in the media, you yeah. know, there's like a gulf, and you're, the loudest voice on either side gets amplified, and we just need people like you, yeah. or you know, like we need voices to say there are real and complicated people living in the middle of this Mm -hmm. and to tell those stories so i i appreciate what you're doing and and uh hope it's an encouragement to the storytellers in any neighborhood who want to say our place is misunderstood we got to tell that story that's a really beautiful yeah beautiful thing well i know even at the decatur but when we first met you i was just so excited to hear that something like that was happening here in the south that Mm -hmm. um I don't know that uh, maybe maybe that's happening more often than I even know of. That probably is, but I was very encouraged to know that that that, that your your company that they exist that you exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're glad exists. you're out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just it was incredibly heartening. You know, it's it's funny. So when the 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 rally came, it was like the bat light went off in the sky. Yeah, yeah. This is why you're this is why you're here, man. This is mm-hmm. it's you know. Yeah. This is this is if you you can you've been yep. you've been talking it yeah and how are you gonna walk yeah. it and yeah. uh, you know we we I, I I we just went about our lives I was at the Alabama mm-hmm. Book Festival that day yeah mm-hmm. but I before I left I put out those I put out those bottles of water oh. and I put out the snacks yeah and, and we you know I'm in our in the new Southern Fugitives the next week or so I'll be putting a, an, mm-hmm. an essay out okay um about about the rally but we intentionally intentionally did not we didn't we're not we're not gonna publish any pictures of the yeah. other rallies or or mm. even the any of it so we're just uh 
Yeah. Yeah. It was announced at the end Where can people find that if they want to read about it? Uh, so we, our zine is called the New Southern Fugitives, and you can okay. find it at the New Southern at newsouthernfugitives.com. dot com. And, okay. and it's uh, so there was a group of uh, poets and scholars in the nineteen twenties in in based out of the West End of Nashville in Vanderbilt. Robert Penn Warren would be the most famous, yeah. mm-hmm. and they had a, a a literary magazine called the Fugitives. And they were anti-agrarian, or they were anti-industrialization, pro-agrarian. Yeah. Uh, saw that the idea of the lost cause of the Civil War was was uh, buckus, was not true. Yeah. They saw yeah. the Civil War for, for it, it it devastated the South, yeah. and there was no romanticizing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we at, right. I, that's something I've been fa- I learned that in when I was at undergrad school, and oh. and and that 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 is just stuck with me till now. So I said, yeah. hey. We were trying to think of names and the new Southern Fugitives. So we awesome. we, we publish once a week. We do a an essay. We have we do book reviews. We do creative pieces, short short stories, poetry, and then also visual arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's two neat things about the new Southern Fugitives. Number one, we don't we don't there's no reading fee or anything. We don't charge poets to send us their poetry. And yeah. then if we publish it, we actually pay people. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a novel idea. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Well, I love, and I just hear, you know, your purpose and initiative behind Southern Friend Carmen, just your even demeanor of just empathy and compassion. How, like, not where did that come from, but were there any authors or books, maybe, or inspirations along the way that kind of, that kind of, you would say, maybe influenced you in the direction of starting Southern Fred Karma? So I, I uh, you know, I have the traditional Southern mm-hmm. upbringing, you know, <laughs> raised. Little raised Episcopalian. I always went to parochial schools. Mm-hmm. Holy Innocence up here in Sandy mm-hmm. Springs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, was a was a Methodist. Uh, did everything for the Methodist Church there there ever is to do. <laughs> Man in the barbecue line, the running committees, hiring <laughs> pastors. Um, so that's always it's kind of a foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yet at the same time, um, I get to the book that really kind of opened my idea that that you can define your own spiritual life mm-hmm. it, the, the, you don't don't take your spiritual life from anybody else yeah. you, you get you get decide what how what your relationship is with mm-hmm. God in the universe mm-hmm. uh, was a book called be here now by Ram Dass, which is kind of mm-hmm. a famous metaphysical hippy dippy 60s book and and uh, but yeah, so that would be that would have been kind of the start of, uh, you know, the Doctor Wayne Dyer read a lot of his stuff, when, uh-huh. and one of his ideas was, you know, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Wow, yeah. and you start to look at the world a little bit different, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that that would have been the basis. Of, and books to me were are still very important. Yeah, and yeah. I every morning. Mm-hmm. I start the day with some type of reading oh. of, a, of of that basis. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of the books are maybe in this room. <laughs> yeah, this is the room. Come look for <laughs> them. <laughs> Come look for them if you want them here yeah. here in the metaphysical reading room. Well, what are you reading now? Anything interesting? You know, I I, I read uh, about three or four books at once. Same. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I I just read a, a book called uh, Let No One Get Hurt. It's a fiction book by a writer called John Pineda. Okay. John's a friend of mine. He's a, on the staff at, at Queen's University. Okay. And the neat thing about that book, it's, it's fiction, but John's a poet and a memoirist. Mm-hmm. And he weaves those both into the story so well. Oh. 
Oh, wow. It takes place in a, and it's about family, which I love stories about family, but it takes place in the southern, the Virginia area. You know, even though nowhere in the novel, John Intensely does not say where it takes place. Yeah. Uh, so that's the fiction I'm reading. Oh. So I'll read, and then I keep a book on my on my Kindle, and I just got through with a book called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakhiana. Yeah. Um, and um, it that's what drew, drew me to that book is the idea that we learn these rules for our lives mm. that we're taught as children we learn from authority we imitate other people yeah uh and, and they're just we just kind of we're scared to do anything different yeah and we need to blow those rules up yeah yeah and, <laughs> and, and they're bs rules is what he calls them yeah <laughs> and we should be the kind of people that just are unbotherable to clean that one up yeah and then um, I read for a living, so yeah, <laughs> I read totally, a lot of yeah. manuscripts. But then I, I'm reading a. Uh, I take one book every morning. and I read just a couple of pages of it. It's a. It's a. Uh, it's a book from the Hindi faith. It's about a. Uh, one of their gods called Hanuman, mm-hmm. and Hanuman is uh, the servant to to Ram, and he is the. Um, Hanuman is is the. Um, Basically, the, the he, he devotion is yeah. is what his is and how you devote yourself to serving the world and mm-hmm. and just into service. So that's I'm reading about the you know and they're they they have their fables. It's the fable of Hanuman. It's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. I love primary text reading a lot of like just going back to the stories that mm-hmm. initially yeah. meant something to the absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Well. Um, We've been very grateful to hear a firsthand account of what yeah. happened in Noonan. I think mm-hmm. we were watching it being like, should we go down? Is there, is there mm-hmm. something helpful that we can do? And I actually uh, had uh, friends who, who went down with Antifa and were interested yeah. in punching Nazis. <laughs> I, I relate, <laughs> man. So yeah. so did I. Yeah. <laughs> so you hear, just to hear the different sides of what went yeah. on, um, we're really grateful. And for the work you're doing to mm-hmm. give a voice to a misunderstood place. You know, I moved I moved down here from Chicago. Sure. You know. Cool. And I moved down for the immigrant community, but there um there are all these dynamics that that are interesting. Like I came from Chicago to the South having believed some of the stories that are out there about the South. And what I realized when I came down here from Chicago is that the city I was coming from was far more segregated in terms of like Chicago, like people groups stay in their own neighborhoods, they have their own. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Atlanta, for all its problems, and this region in general, uh, has has or is in the process of reckoning with uh, some of their deeper problems. And those stories mm-hmm. are being, have been and are being told. So I was just surprised by the complexity of life here and by how much is praiseworthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in this region, so I'm glad. Yeah glad you're doing that yeah absolutely. so uh just real quick what's the website that people can check if they want to find out more about southern fried karma and then um what are could you name maybe one or two titles that are interesting that we can look out for in the next uh Ooh. yeah so that so the if so the mothership is, is southern fried karma.com okay and then from there you can find sfk press and the new southern fugitives okay um awesome We've got. He's a local. One of the titles coming out in in uh, in the fall, right before the midterm elections. The book called American Judas. 
Okay. By a local writer named Mickey Dubrow. Okay. Um, and it is uh, it's fiction, and the the, the premise is that uh, the wall of separation between church and state evaporates, and fundamental Christianity becomes the law of the land. And a free-spirited young couple, he's the husband's Jewish, the wife is basically doesn't have it, is has to maneuver yeah. this this world, and it's set in in uh, in, in D.C. Uh, wow. It's it's it, what it's a it's a it's a political thriller at, at the core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it also it's um it's a good story for today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the what's we got. That's one that we're really uh, that as soon as I read the first ten pages, I called Mickey and said, Mickey, I want to buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to publish your book. So yeah. Great. Wow. So look yeah. out for American mm-hmm. Judas and visit awesome. uh, Southern Pride Karma. Um, if you uh, hear this podcast and you think uh, the sound of that room full of books sounds appealing to you, come in and shop here at Atlanta Vintage Books. And on your way out, let them know that uh, Tim and Ian or Ian and Tim sent you, mm-hmm. and they'll give you a little 10% discount on your purchase. We love it when our listeners come into the bookstore yeah. because there's something about real physical community that transcends what you can mm-hmm. hear flying around on the Internet. Just come yeah. and meet some people. Yeah. Look out, look at, you know, pull down some books yeah. and look at them. So. Definitely. We really encourage that, and that's what I love with what you did during the the, the protest, the the bringing out water and bars like that. It's almost like this invitation of community that was I don't know, that's really powerful. And yeah, I just really tried special. to see them all as my brothers and my sisters, my sons and my daughters, my mothers mm-hmm. and my fathers. Mm-hmm. That's good words to live by. <laughs> that's yeah. powerful. Um, if you also want to check us out online, uh, we have a website. What are you reading? dot com or what are you reading? Podcast. dot com. Sorry, um, and uh, there you you know you can find. That's kind of our hub, our Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, just kind of all what we're up to. Um, and um, also, we would always love it if you find us on iTunes and rate us. I know that's not the way most people are getting these podcasts, but it really helps as far as like yeah. ranking and just letting people know what we're doing. Uh, it always means a lot. And we're always constantly present. And we kind of just need that encouragement. No, I'm just kidding. We, Tim really. reads those reviews every and night I, before and I, goes to bed. Yeah, it's like, it's like whenever I have like a really rough day, I just pull out my tissues and just look at those again. And no. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing that. And just for listening in general. Um, thank you again, Steve, for being here. This is great. And we're so happy to have you. And um, as always, we're going to end with a book quote. This is from Michael Margolis. He says, The stories we tell literally make the world. If you want to change the world, you need to change your story.